you're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com. Welcome to Sham Fiction, the podcast where we break the first rule of fan fiction, that you have to be a fan to write it. We're Two Jackets Productions. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Marcus. Here's the format. Each installment, Andrew, Eric, or Marcus will be presented with a media franchise that they are unfamiliar with and challenged to write fanfiction about it. We'll start by giving the author some basics, like characters, overarching plots, and those special elements that make each franchise great. The author will then take this info, throw out what they don't like, add a generous helping of creative license, and come back ready to read their masterpiece for all of us to enjoy. It's fanfiction written by non-fans. It's sham fiction. This week's author is Andrew. Hey guys, I am here. It's me, Andrew, and I'm writing this week. So guys, what do you have for me? Whoa. Uh, I was not expecting you to be here today. Oh, <laughs> on my day off? <laughs> I, thought, I thought we uh, had arranged for Mark Wahlberg to come in as a guest. Oh, that's special. That's going to be a very special episode when we get him on. Very okay. special. Can, we'll can have we to invite him personally. A little taste. <laughs> a little taste of Mark. <laughs> what that might Mark. be like. What'd you say? Can we get a little taste of what that might be like if we get Mark on? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nailed it. Sometime uh, calamity. That's a good calamity. one. Calamity. Speaking of which, let's talk about your actual prop. Uh, yes. Which is one of my favorite authors. This guy, he's a good author to follow because he writes and he writes and he writes and he publishes at least two books a year, and they're usually excellent. This is, of course, the man himself, Brandon Sanderson, and we are talking about his young adult superhero action thriller, Steelheart, which is the first book in the Reckoners trilogy. Uh, Steelheart came out in September 12th. Uh, It came out on September 24th in 2013. It was followed up with a short story, Mitosis, and a second book, Firefight. The third Mm. book and final book in the trilogy is coming out this year called Calamity. It might be out by the time you're listening to this. Who knows? In fact, it will be. Uh, Oh, my goodness. So (laughs) exciting. I'm peeling back the curtain and telling you that we're recording in advance. (laughs) What? This isn't live? People know. And we don't we don't write the whole thing in about three minutes. What? I will not admit to that. I don't okay. know about you guys, I write mine live, uh, Clark Kent style. Just whenever I have a deadline, just super speed. Oh, uh, uh, good. But let's talk about Steelheart and not yeah. Superman, because Superman will come up anyway. Uh, Steelheart, like we said, superhero thriller. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And I love this series because. It's exciting. It's paced like an action movie. It's accessible. It has superheroes in it, supervillains, but it's in the vein of magic. Uh, One of the things that Sanderson does so well, and a lot of his books are fantasy, is he sets up these wonderful magic systems that have rules. And you know the magic system. You can exploit the rules and solve problems, and you feel so clever. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, Andrew, you, you've you read Mistborn, right? The Mistborn trilogy? Yeah, and I love Sanderson? it. That's one of my favorite books that I've read in the last couple of years. It's awesome. 
Yeah, so, and that's kind of the same age, like, uh, demographic I think this is going for, because that's young adult as well. So, tonally, I, I see them as being, uh, you know, the, the genre's way off, but the tone, I think, is pretty similar. Though, well, while Mistborn has been published in both young adult and adult, Steelheart Ooh. is firmly in the young adult camp. Uh, sure. Enjoyable by all ages, but definitely more <laughs> slanted say, towards teens. I liked it. I couldn't tell. Yeah, I liked it Whatever. a lot. Uh, <laughs> I guess I have young sensibilities. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we uh, will have to throw up a small spoiler warning right here if you want to go in completely blind. Uh, beware, we won't ruin the ending or anything like that, but we will talk about maybe the first third of the story. Yeah, we'll get into the shallow end of the pool. Yeah. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, so uh, Sanderson just... This guy's awesome. I've seen him in person a couple times. Uh, I've read almost everything that he's written, which is probably close to 20 books now. And he has a podcast called Writing Excuses that I've learned a lot from. So check that podcast out in between episodes of Sham Fiction. Yeah. Uh, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll notice a lot of similar writing advice. <laughs> it's almost like like we learn some things from those people. All right. <laughs> I like learning. Yeah, learning's good. Uh, learning is and, fun, guys. Let, let me ask you a question here, Andrew. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, Love would you questions. like to learn about what would happen if the city of Chicago was destroyed by a powerful epic who turned most of it into steel? Yes. That was yep. the right answer. If you had said no, <laughs> I guess it would have been over. Scrapped. Pick another yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, this sounds good. Let's do it. Dive All in. Right. Go on. So I'm, I'm going to go into it. Uh, in the world of Steelheart, in this Reckoner series, a bright star showed up in the sky a few years back. So this is in the, the near future. A uh, bright star shows up in the sky called Calamity. It's a bright red star. And when that happens, a couple years later, these people start getting superpowers. And they're called epics, because superheroes is trademarked by DC and Marvel. And so they are epics. And the only problem is all these epics who yeah. have the powers that we would expect from the DC or Marvel superheroes are evil. They all are murdering jerks. And <laughs> so the world quickly goes to all heck. Uh, the governments fight at first, but give up very quickly thereafter. The United States becomes the fractured states. There's a recapitulation Ooh. act where all of the epics are declared forces of nature and above the law. And uh, one of the fantastic things that I love about this is that uh, because these epics have are so powerful, they can uh, their their abilities range all over the place. But because they have so much power, they basically uh, turn the United States and we can assume the rest of the world into basically a feudal state mm-hmm. where uh, the powerful few are on top and they have a a, a fiefdom uh, based around uh, a lot of U.S. cities. So that's kind of just a fun, fun thing. And New Chicago is is what Chicago is now called. New Chicago. Yeah. New Chicago. It's it. uh, it's run by an epi- a powerful epic named Steelheart, who gives you the title of the book. Uh, Steelheart is basically the baddest of the bad. He can fly. He's invulnerable. He can shoot energy, and he can turn things into steel. Uh, non-living matter he can turn into steel and so when he ascended he did the great transversion where he turned most of chicago and a good part of lake michigan into steel 
Uh, oh so my goodness. That's the setting of this, yeah. Uh, in the meantime, they've tunneled out some things. So there are under streets that are just carved out of the steel. Some of the old buildings have had the doors taken off them and replaced with working doors because, you know, they're mm-hmm. just fused shut for a while. Uh, oh, a very wow. interesting setting. So he covers things with steel or he actually turns the matter can, into he steel? He converts the matter into steel. Okay. Yeah. And now, the big thing with these epics, because they all they are all evil, but they also all have a weakness, right? They have their own kryptonite. But it's a different weakness for each epic. And those weaknesses aren't clearly defined. You know, epics try to hide their weaknesses. Some epics can be weak to, uh, like, Kool-Aid is one example. An epic can't be... Yeah. In the short story, that's what happens, yeah. No way. Cool, okay. Yeah, Uh, so there's always something. They each have superpowers, but they each have super weaknesses as well. And it's always a very highly guarded secret what your weakness is, because you know what it is, but you don't want to let everyone else know what it is. So they all know what their weaknesses are? Like the the epics they 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 know? They don't all know. A lot of them do. Okay. Uh, But... It's presumed that it's possible because we know so little about epics since the world just went to the trash can after they showed up that some epics might not have weaknesses. And that's what Steelheart claims. He claims he's completely invulnerable. Uh, But the good thing for us is that our hero, David Charleston, has seen Steelheart bleed. That's how the story opens. The first line, I have seen Steelheart bleed. And... We find out about this guy, David Charleston. He's 18 years old, living in New Chicago. He's an orphan because when he was young, his father was killed by Steelheart. Ooh. Uh, he was in a bank, and there was another epic. There's a bunch of stuff going on. We won't ruin that for you. Great prologue. But the important takeaway there is that this was right when Steelheart was declaring himself emperor of Chicago. And David's father was able to shoot and injure Steelheart. He grazed him in the cheek. And it's the only time anyone has ever seen Steelheart be injured. And it's the only scar visible on Steelheart's body. So the natural reaction from Steelheart when this happened, and I won't reveal too much, is that he he goes about trying to kill every single person who was at that bank that day. Because if people see him bleed, then the word's going to get out that he's not invulnerable. Yeah, and that's when he did the great transversion. That's when he turned everything into steel. He just said, enough of this. (laughs) I'm going out in force. And that's what that happened. Uh, David Charleston then grows up as an orphan working in a munitions factory. So he makes weapons. He knows a lot about guns. And that's a very important trope in this story. He will talk intelligently about guns. He'll point out, for instance, that handguns uh, you'll generally miss if you're more than 10 paces away. They're unreliable. He likes rifles himself. Okay. He's all about the rifle. It's all that's, about that's the That's a rifles. big trope yeah. for him. So he likes making fun of handguns and talking about how you're only really deadly if you have a rifle. He has had to kill before defending himself on the understreets. But he's obsessed with epics because someday he wants to uh, find a way to kill Steelheart. He's never told anyone his secret that he's seen Steelheart bleed because if he did, he'd be killed by Steelheart or his enforcement goons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. the lesser epics that serve him. Yeah, or the lesser epics. So there are maybe about a thousand epics in Nukago, and they all are subservient to Steelheart in some way. There are a couple that are really uh, close to Steelheart. There's Night Wielder 
who has plunged the city into eternal darkness. Night Wielder. What a yeah. cool name. Very Night Wielder. Cool. Yeah, Night, Night Wielder. He he wields the night. <laughs> so he's turned the entire city into darkness all the time. David hasn't seen sunlight in about eight years. Uh, there's Conflux, who has actually provided power for the city. So everyone has these cool energy weapons. There was a lot of research done right after the epics came, but before society collapsed. So technology evolved very, very quickly. Uh, so that's how enforcement in Steelheart has these mech suits and power weapons and tanks and that kind of thing. Good video game stuff. Yeah, okay. absolutely. So mm-hmm. David knows he can't defeat Steelheart on his own, but fortunately there's a group of people who actually hunt and kill epics. These are the people known as the Reckoners. So, at the very beginning of the story, David seeks out to find and join up with the Reckoners so he can share his knowledge about Steelheart and find a way to bring him down. He gets into this confrontation with an epic called Fortuity and uh, kind of gets in the way of the Reckoners' plans, but in the, way, in the end helps them succeed in killing Fortuity. So he gets taken back to the secret base where he meets the Reckoners. So, let's go through the group of people that he's going to be spending time with in this story. Absolutely. And mind you that the Reckoners are a very small, uh, very underground group. Yeah. Um, They are, they do not operate in the open. They have safe houses all over the place. They're very secretive. They're very reluctant to let anybody in. So when David shows up, helps them uh, kill this epic and uh, he expresses interest in joining, they are of course hesitant so uh, the members of the team, first of all, the leader of the group is a guy by the name of Prof, the professor. And Prof. Uh, yep, he is the legendary Jonathan Phaedrus is the guy's name, but everybody refers to him as Prof. He is a, uh, he is a uh, renowned individual. Um, Marcus, he's why is he famous? I can't remember. So he's famous because he is the leader of the Reckoners, the founder of the Reckoners, uh-huh. and he's just killed a lot of epics. Yeah, and he does it in very cool, flashy ways because they do a lot of planning, and then he does things like jump out of a helicopter while shooting two guns at an epic, and <laughs> it's just awesome. Yes, uh, yeah, they seem he, to have these mysterious, legendary escapes and things that people can't account for. Yeah, he's the Jonathan McLean of this world, so he's just super badass. Uh, David knows about him and adores him. He looks up to him. He's he's Superman to yep. David, um, who also wants to kill epics, so works out. Uh, so that's Prof. He's an inventor. He's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, what, question? Oh, I was just going to ask, so he's heard of this guy beforehand. So people have heard about Prof. They've heard about this yeah. Jonathan Phaedrus guy, but they just, again, it's still well, an underground group. So David has spent his whole life researching epics and the Reckoners. So he has extensive files. He, he's uh, a complete nerd for epics. He oh, yeah. has notes on possible weaknesses for different epics, uh, which he can generally 
be able to glean from what they avoid or what situations they've acted out in. You know, if someone's exposed to their weakness and they just kill everyone around them, it's a clue that maybe their weakness was around at that point. Yeah, or if a, if a epic never goes anywhere within a hundred miles of a large body of water, perhaps water is a problem for them. <laughs> exactly. You know, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, David knows all about epics. He knows all about the, uh, the Reckoners. He knows all about Prof. Because uh, he's the leader. Um, next, you have Megan. Uh, Megan is a member of the Reckoners. Um, she is basically the love interest in the story. She's a total hottie, a total badass. She likes uh, handguns, which is a problem oh, for David. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> but she um, she is very... Everybody's kind of hesitant in the story, but she's definitely hesitant to get close to David. David is very obviously... Uh, in like with her and she is definitely <laughs> trying to avoid him uh, she calls him knees like knees. like like those bendy parts of your legs because like, he's got like knobby knees like he's a knobby knee well th- that goes back to when they first met which is in this when they were trying to kill this epic in new cargo um, she made him uh, basically get on his knees and told him that, uh, yeah, exactly. And told him that there was a sniper uh, pointing a, a gun at his head, and if he moved, he would be shot. This, okay. of course, was a was a complete bluff. She was just trying yeah. to ditch him. So, so that's, that's great. how their relationship began, and that's why she calls him knees. Uh, next in the group, you have Abraham, who is a French Canadian. He is, uh, I think, one of these people who um, believes in something very specific in this universe, which I think is important, which is that they believe that a hero will save us. Not going to stand here and wait. Uh, and they think that somebody like Superman is going to come along and, and take back power and be able to destroy the epics. Yeah, so his group is actually called the Faithful. And the symbol of the faith is described as a stylized S, which we can assume is the Superman logo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they think that eventually good epics will come. And since it's only been 10 years since Calamity, it's not too long in the grand scheme of things. It's possible that the good ones will come along. Yeah, okay, so, so the faithful, um, or excuse me, so Abraham, he's a, he's a member of this faithful group, but is is he also a member of the reckoners or is he this that yeah, different he's a, he's a yeah, reckoner mm-hmm. all, all these characters are reckoners so okay. uh so he is with prof and megan um yeah that's basically his deal he believes that a good epic will come along um next we have cody who is a weapons expert kind of guy oh yeah um uh he's 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 the type of guy that likes big guns Mm-hmm. Um, he is a, I think he's, uh, at least in the audiobook, he was a Southern guy, but he, he claims Scottish descent. Okay. Um, but he knows nothing about Scotland or yeah. Scottish history. And he will often say, uh, things about Scotland that are completely untrue. So if you need a nice trope and a joke for that guy, say something wrong about Scotland and you'll probably be okay. in good shape. Yeah, he lo- loves talking about the home country, the motherland, yep. the fatherland. He'll mm-hmm. borrow things from Ireland. <laughs> it's yep. very funny. Yeah, aren't leprechauns Irish? Nah. <laughs> uh, and lastly, uh, what I have for this group is we have Tia. Tia. Tia, uh, who is basically Prof's uh, right-hand woman. 
she helps organize the uh, plans, these these very complicated schemes to try to lure epics into death traps. She is uh, basically the information person. Mm -hmm. She's collecting all the data. She's doing the research. She is on the walkie-talkie giving everybody directions in the field. And that's okay. kind of her. That's kind of okay. her thing. That's cool. Okay. And she's she always the drinking shots. cola. Always oh, drinking yeah. cola. She loves her a cola, which is uh, legally distinct from Coke, uh, just like epics are legally distinct from superheroes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh huh. So that's all I have for members of the Reckoners. Yeah, and so it's important to know that when David joined up with the Reckoners. It was a very shaky relationship. They don't like bringing in new members. They were suspicious of him because he had figured out where they were going to attack. They think he might be a spy. Uh, but he eventually gets ingratiated into the group, although Megan is still annoyed with him at all times. Uh, mm-hmm. Sure, sure. He, yeah. <laughs> so once he becomes a member of the group, they introduce him to some of the technology that they have that helps explain some of the miraculous Ooh. things they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Prof, cool. yeah, Prof invented three things, three pieces of technology based on powers from epics. The first is the coolest. It's the tensors. So these are gloves that allow you to turn basically any matter into dust. And so you can tunnel through solid steel, which is really useful in getting around New Cago. You can do more advanced things like hit a wall and bring a sword out if you've shaped your tensor strength. You can make climbing holes uh, with the tensors. Very cool stuff. Lots of possibilities. Yeah, tensors. Uh, then there's tensors, tensors. Okay. yeah. Then there are uh, jackets that have kind of a force field around them that protect you from harm. And finally, a healing device known as the harm's way. And that's the three pieces of technology that the Reckoners don't let anyone know about that really give them the upper hand in a lot of situations. Okay, yeah. so really quick to to go back through that. So the jacket, what does the jacket do? Is it called something, or is that not have a specific name? It's a force name? field. It's just a jacket, I think. Okay, yeah, so, so you can uh, you can survive falls from from pretty pretty high heights because it'll absorb the damage. You know, if you get shot, it'll act like a bulletproof vest. Right. Um, it has its limits. the The force field can be broken, um, but it's it's something. It's a little bit of protection. Is it something that you wear? Like, is it like a little... Yeah, it'd be like a leather jacket. Oh, it is an actual jacket. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It looks like regular clothes, which is okay. why it's secret and, technology. And then the harm's way, w- w- that's like a machine? Yeah, it's it's like a healing pack. You put it on someone's chest, and it can help them rapidly recover from any injuries. Makes them Wolverine-ish for a little bit. Yeah. Although legally distinct. Legally yes, distinct. Course healing factor no no harm's way yeah gotcha <laughs> checks out uh yeah so for tone and tropes for this uh for this world it is a young adult novel um so there's a lot of uh action there's a lot of humor mm-hmm. there's a lot of tension um the thing to to keep in mind about the world is that it is a post-apocalyptic scenario um, so it, it, every part of town is a bad part of town. Uh, nobody's having a good time. Everybody's hurting. Uh, we need a hero to save us. Gosh darn it. Uh, so just kind of keep that sort of thing in mind. 
And the uh, darkness and the steel are two big things, two big visual things. It's always okay. nighttime, and most things are steel. And, you know, you can have lights that have been turned to steel and now have lanterns hung on them. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, because that's interesting. the entire apparatus has turned to steel, making yeah. it useless. So, yeah, yeah that's fantastic. Um, there are some great words, some great language in this uh, series that people say all the time. So, like, the... the the uh what do you got yeah i mean this is key sanderson every okay. single thing that sanderson writes he has his own swear words okay uh-huh. oh. and none of our swear words are in these books uh so if you if you need to swear you can say sparks okay or you can say calamity those just are just like the star those are the two swears as in mm-hmm. ah, calamity or sparks megan do you have to be so mean <laughs> <laughs> very uh young adult appropriate yeah school appropriate and if you're, sure. if you're calling someone a name you call them a slants a what slants slants yep slants like hey watch it you slants yeah you're gonna get us all killed you slants so expect liberal use of calamity sparks and slants mm-hmm uh, one of, the, if you if you want some more uh, direction on David, our main character, uh, one of the things that he does all the time, and this had better show up mm-hmm. in your writing, is the use of bad metaphors. The terrible guy, at metaphors. Terrible at metaphors. So he'll start a metaphor, and you'll be like, oh, this is going all, all right. And then he'll just mix his metaphors or just end super lamely. I'm trying to think of a good example. You're too he, good at metaphors. It's too, it's I know, too hard. It's, it's tough. <laughs> yeah, uh, this so actually well, might come pretty easy to me because it takes me a while to form metaphors. <laughs> the whole thing is uh, first person. David's telling the story. Oh, first person. Okay. Yeah. So when he does the bad metaphors, he'll often comment on that. Like, oh, gosh, did that metaphor work? Because, gosh, this is hard. Such a slance with metaphors. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. Uh, so I'm not going to say that you have to keep to the uh, the first person if you don't like. Uh, okay. That could be fun. Uh, yeah. You've proven that you can do first person in other sham fictions, but uh, I don't know if that's 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 not my requirement. Okay. Marcus, no, maybe think, it's yours. I think I would disagree. I'd, I'd say that I would like to see it in the first person because you're going to get a closer approximation of the original work if you stick with that. Sure. Gotcha. Uh, so that makes sense. Yeah. Other other tropes though. You've got the talk about guns is going to be a lot. Uh, rifles versus pistols. He he really likes to you know, talk about feedback from the guns. There's, if you have a gunshot go off near your head, you're probably going to go deaf. (laughs) Just the real uh, factors that happen with gunplay. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are uh, different, I guess, uh, words that are associated with the epics. So there are, there are things called high epics. Uh, Steelheart is a high epic. Uh, and what distinguishes a high epic from a regular uh, epic is that they have what is called a prime invincibility. They, they have some ability that keeps them from dying. So a prime invincibility could be uh, that you have the ability to, um, like your Wolverine, you can, you can heal from any wound. Like, right. like Wolverine, you can heal from like a drop of blood. You know, just that epic. So that would make you a high epic. 
or if you just ser- are have impervious skin and you can't be stabbed or shot or blown up, that would be a prime invincibility. And what's great is that there are little epics too. Epics who don't really have very impressive powers. Yeah. One of the ones that's mentioned early on is a guy named Curveball, and his only power is that he can fire a pistol without ever having to reload. <laughs> and that's, that's it. That's all he's got. He's not super accurate with a pistol or anything. He can just keep firing. Yeah. Never runs so, out of bullets. It's a good yeah. super, super That's power. interesting. So bullets just appear in the gun when he fires them? Yeah. That's the idea? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Hey, that's actually pretty handy. It is. Yeah, of course. Especially so, because epics can kill indiscriminately. There, there's no punishment for an epic killing someone. They're a oh, force wow. of nature. Even the crappy ones yeah. can still kill. Wow. They're still an epic, so they're still better than all the peons, all the people out there who uh, don't have powers, all the, the slaves... That's a good point, Eric. So there are humans working in normal jobs. One of the things that I really liked in this is that they talk about how many accountants Steelheart has and that there are people who have to do the jobs of running a society. And New Cog is actually one of the better places in the fractured states to live, even though it's under, under this rule because they have power, they have structure. It's just terrible. But you have to deal with, as a reckoner, am I going to be hurting people if I kill Steelheart? You know, this city's going to go to pots. It's going to go to calamity. And <laughs> are these people, uh, the enforcement officers, should I kill them? Because they're just humans trying to get by, and you don't have a choice when you're confronted oh, yeah. with these powerful epics. We didn't really talk about that much. Uh, the enforcers, they're, they're basically just the military police mm-hmm. of New Cago. So they're just SWAT team police that are that are the thugs of steelheart and his operation and his government okay so not all enforcers are epics yeah most of them are none like yeah there's maybe one or two enforcers that are actually epics but most of them are just people right yep and that that term is not just casual for somebody who enforces that is that is a capital e enforcer okay that is that is a profession enforcement officer Oh uh, yes, enforcement officer. So uh, is that that's that's a lot to go off. That's of. quite a bit. Yeah, there's you want, quite. You want to rattle it back for us? Yeah, yeah. we can talk about your options for what to write about. Yeah, just a really quick question. Like, so this sure. munitions factory that um, that David works at, this is to feed the enforcers. This is like to feed Steelheart's government. That's, yeah, that's a good question. And actually, no. These are weapons that are a little bit less advanced than the super energy weapons that Steelheart and Enforcement have. These are more bullet-based weapons, older things that he sells to other cities to bring money in. Because he doesn't want to give them comparable, amazing weapons. Okay, Makes wait, sense. so this is this is David's own... Like, he, he runs this business? No, he, he, just, he just works in the munitions factory. Okay. Uh, okay. He, he being Steelheart is the idea. So so this oh, is a factory oh, oh. that New Cago, you know, in Steelheart's regime, is using to sell guns to other cities. Yeah. Okay, so the guns used by enforcers and Steelheart's minions, they're not bullet-based. They're more like lasers or pulses and stuff. Right. right. Okay. You got it, babe. Yeah. Uh, so what do you got? Are you confused by anything else? Let us uh, let us know. No, because we'll guide like, in you. terms of like the general conflict, I mean, I pieced it together. I mean, it's like this guy wants to kill this Steelheart guy. So like, and that seems to be kind of what they do. They kill these epic things. So yeah, yeah. let's go through this. Um, so Steelheart, it's a superhero young adult 
novel. It's a bit of a thriller. It's based like an action movie. Um, it's based in the near future where a bright red star called Calamity has appeared in the sky uh, and caused... Now, this is one thing maybe I should have cleared up. It caused people on the planet to turn into epics, right? Epics yes. aren't aliens. They didn't just show up. Right. People became epics. Okay. All right. So I'm going to write that quickly down. Often in very bloody ways. <laughs> yes. You become an epic and then start killing people around them. You said, um, I think I caught it at one point, that's called ascension. Like, at that moment they ascended. Is that something that you said? I don't remember saying that. Okay, I'm going to cross that out because that sounds like something you, you said. You're looking at me with confused looks. So, boom. All right. So, anyway, so yeah, so Calamity appeared and people, some people, turned into epics, which are superheroes, uh, tr- registered trademark. Um, <laughs> all of them are evil, though, which they're not heroes, so they're super evil, uh, which makes the world go to hell. The United States has become the fractured states. Um, and epics have been deemed forces of nature, and they've taken over cities and created their own little fiefdoms. And this story takes place in New Congo, which used to be Chicago, and it's run by a guy named Steelheart, who calls himself the Emperor. Uh, and he has the ability to turn things into steel. Everything is covered in steel or, you know, turned into steel. Um, but all epics have weaknesses. They have their kryptonite-like weakness, um, and these are guarded secrets that, uh, people like the reckoners are trying to find out oh we should um, make a point there the weakness completely nulls their powers that's what a weakness does so it doesn't like kryptonite hurt or kill the person it just eliminates their powers okay that is good to know yeah yeah eliminates good, good powers catch. that is yeah because a, a very... i um i was picturing like they were like physically weakened by it like it might kill them if they like you mentioned water at one point so okay all right, so that's good to know. Uh, this story follows David Charleston. Did I get that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, he is of the Chu fame. Of the what? The Chu fame. <laughs> Charleston Chu family. Oh yes, of course. Registered trademark. Um, so yes, he has seen Steelheart bleed. Yep. Um, his father was killed by Steelheart. Um, so he really, really wants to kill that guy. Um, he works in a munitions factory, and he's all about them munitions. He loves guns. He loves rifles. Um, and he wants to join up with the Reckoners, or he does join up with the Reckoners, which mm-hmm. are, which is a group, a small underground group of people that hunt and kill epics. They're led by Prof, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Fadris. Uh, he's a renowned Reckoner, well-known, uh, even though this is a small underground group that people aren't supposed to know about. Um <laughs> And uh, there's also Megan, who is uh, David's love interest. She's hot and awesome, and she tries to <laughs> enjoy David uh, as much as possible, calls him knees, keeps him at arm's length. There is Abraham, who is a French-Canadian faithful. He believes that mm-hmm. one day a good superhero or Superman-like hero will come and save them all. Uh, yeah, but legally cr- distinct. Epic. An epic. <laughs> <laughs> um... Cody is a weapons expert that claims to be Scottish, but he's maybe not. He doesn't know anything about Scotland. Uh-huh. Uh, and Tia, who is the pro- uh, is prof's right-hand woman. She's kind of like the intelligence research person. Uh, she calls the shots when they're out in the field, and she drinks a lot of cola. <laughs> uh, prof invented three it. things. Tinsers, jackets, harm's way. I got all those down. We discussed those enough. Um, sparks, calamity, and slons. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Good. 
There you oh, go. And that it's it's a post-apocalyptic world. It's always night there. Everything's covered in steel. That's kind of what it's all about. Um, lots of gun talk around these people. There's high epics and lesser epics, and epics can kill everybody. Oh, and there's normal people around. Like yeah. there's still like normal people around. Yeah, well, yeah, we should uh, we should definitely send you off to get writing. But Marcus, uh, we need to give the guy some bonus points. We need to give him maybe some ideas about what kind of scene he can yeah. do. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, let's start with the scenes. Uh, so I think you have a few options here. You could go for the fight with Steelheart, but I don't think you're you're ready to go for that yet. I'd much okay. rather see an encounter with one of the other thousand epics in New Cargo. Or, failing that, you could have an underground meeting with maybe another arms dealer. You could have just a scene where they're planning an attack or interrogating David. So, show some of the Reckoner's drama. Yeah, one of the fun things about their their operation is that it beha- it, it goes off like a, uh, a heist. You know, mm-hmm. they, they make their, yeah. their plans and then they, they perform it. So, you could do something fun with a heist-like encounter with an epic. Yeah. That's a that'd that's be a cool. Good way it's to interesting. Go. Even without you saying that, that's kind of what I pictured when you're described because you describe them all kind of like you would describe people in a heist. Yeah, yeah, we're putting a team together. Mm-hmm. I, I do have to give you one more piece of technology, uh, which is mobiles. So everyone has a, a mobile device, which is computer, phone, what have you, and they work even in the underground. So that's just a way that characters can communicate with each other. They can make recordings. They can do that type of thing. Yep. And they have Mobile. no fear of being, like, caught, like, the signals or anything like that. Yeah, they, they are all on a private Reckoners network. They only communicate with other Reckoners. Okay. Good good point, yes. Um, so, bonus points. Uh, the one I want to tell you, Andrew, uh, this will get you bonus points from me. The best badass epic name that you can come up with because you've heard lots of names like Steelheart and and Night Wielder and all this crap. Those are some so, pretty great names. Yeah, uh, so especially I, I, Night Wielder. That's pretty yeah. awesome. So get creative, flex your muscles, your your badass name muscles. I've also watched a lot something. of uh, CW's Flash and uh, no, there's plenty no, no, of no, no, great no, names <laughs> I can pull from there. Cisco sure knows how to name them. I'm just oh, going to be inspired by him. Ugh, great. How about you, Marcus? <laughs> that sigh from Eric was the sound of Andrew losing his bonus points. <laughs> uh, so, the bad metaphors are so important that I want to see either a really, really great bad metaphor uh, or a really, really great lame epic power. Those are, those are the two things. So, I want to see both, but... Give me one that's really great, and you'll get bonus points. Okay. <laughs> bad ones. metaphor, or... Sorry, what was the other thing I was writing? Or a bad, lame, epic power. Lame, epic power. Like, you can grow your fingernails really long. Yeah, because that's the kind of conversation <laughs> that they'll have. You don't even have to have that epic on screen. Mm-hmm. But they'll just say, oh, I heard about this one guy up in Manhattan who had the ability to move his tattoos around his body. So he could have a different tattoo whenever he wanted. <laughs> you know, it's just okay. That's a cool wow. power. That is lame. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, cool. Those are really good bonus points. I think I'll be able to work those in. No problemo. So, anything else for me, guys? I think I'm ready to do this. Oh, we've got yeah. long enough. Get get on out of here. All right. I am off to write. We'll see you in a bit. 
Hey, Sham listeners, if you like the show, there are two things you can do that'll really help us out. The first is subscribe. You'll get a new episode every week in 2016 without fail. That's our pledge to you, and that'll be delivered automatically to your device. Beyond that, you could really help us out by writing a review. Let other people know what the show's about, what your experience has been. And if it's positive, all the better. If you don't feel like you can write a positive review, think about it as a writing challenge. You think you're better than us? Write a sham fiction of a good review. Make us believe that you believe in us. I know you can do it. Anyway, thanks for listening. Alright, well, Andrew is off writing. It's time for us to talk about what we think he's writing about, what he's scribbling on like a madman about. So Calamity. <laughs> calamity. Sparks, Eric, what do you think's going to happen? You think he's going to slaunch this up? That's not how you use the word slaunch. Well, Andrew is a hell of a slaunch. He is. He's quite and the he slaunch. knows it. We're, we're watching him giggling to himself, reading his phone, not his, listening his to mobile, us. His mobile, Eric. All right. All right, his mobile. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, he's not on his mobile. He's writing. What are you talking about? No, that's right. No, no behind the scenes of the show. We no. have to keep up, keep up appearances. Yes. Mm, keep the veil of secrecy. Anyway, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think he's going to write? <laughs> well, so I think that he... We, we talked about uh, the way that Megan is described a bit, I think. How David's infatuated with her. And we'll talk about her assets. But I, yeah. I think that he is going to handle that with a bit more maturity than we see in the original text. Not sliding <laughs> Mr. Sanderson at all, who's, who's, uh, who's writing I love. But I think Andrew's going to take that from a more mature level of sexual interaction. So it's not just going to be described as like this blonde hottie over here? Yeah. Yeah. A little so more than that? You can take that as you will. It'll, it'll either be more <laughs> reserved or more worldly. Okay. <laughs> All right. As somebody who has mated with a woman, well, I think I know how to write this. That's my Andrew Neal impression. God, what a slant. Yes, he is such a slant. What a slant. What a, what a so, nerd. All right. <laughs> All right. I, I think there's going to be uh, there's going to be violence in this. Uh, one thing that we talk about a lot, I don't know if we've seen it that much in the show, <laughs> but we true. talk about how Andrew loves violence because mm-hmm. I think it was in our early exercises of this show, like the, the first time, the first few times we did this as a writing exercise before we started working on the podcast, and then the first few test podcasts, uh, Andrew would always make the bloodiest, most violent thing imaginable, and mostly uh, surrounded uh, around wanton murder. Mm-hmm. So some main character would just straight up kill somebody and it would just come out of the blue and we would laugh our asses off. And he's gotten close, I think, on the show. But I think this is going to be the time that Andrew Neal slips into full murder. I want to see David killing a human being, (laughs) not not an epic, an actual just just bystander or more likely a a, um, a thug, Mm -hmm. one of the enforcement people some yeah. human is gonna die by david's hand so so your, your secret bonus points are an extension of our andrew murder watch which we've yeah. been running since the start of the show we've yeah. also seen that in his original fictions and screenplays that's <laughs> true i remember a certain piece about south dakota that he'll be happy i'm mentioning uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah but let's right. let's let's let him in here and we'll see how accurate or how 
as this has been going, extremely inaccurate our secret bonus points have been. <laughs> Slots, get in here! Hey, gents. I have returned to you with an epic tale. Zing. Whoa, I get it. Because cause they're called epics. Uh-huh. Not the yep. other thing that yep. I apparently can't say because You're it's trademarked. Epics legally distinct from Super Distinct. Okay, oh, is that just the thing? I can say it? Can we say it? I, we say super I think Eric's had to bleep every time we've said it otherwise. <laughs> We're throwing cash into the wind. <laughs> okay, well, I'm back. I have written my sham fiction of Steelheart. Gentlemen, are you ready for it? Oh, I'm, I'm so ready. Uh, I was born ready. Cool. Uh, I'm just going to say this up front. Uh, this isn't an explicit episode. At least I don't think it is. Uh, it shouldn't be. Uh, but this, I'm going to give a content warning uh, for this. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to say specifically why I'm giving this warning. Eric but uh, well if you have us. children, if you're listening uh, to this with children, uh, maybe send the kiddos to bed. Um, <laughs> or give them a lollipop and send them on their way. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, I just want to say, I don't think people would want their children listening to this. So sparks. Let's hear it. Okay. Let's do this. Four bowls were arranged on a stainless steel tray before me, not a silver tray. That part was important. The bowls were filled with a carrot ginger soup with toasted almonds. I knew that because I had been tasked with memorizing the menu for the evening, including the ingredients in each dish and where those ingredients were sourced. I had never eaten food like this before in my life. A pair of swinging doors were before me, through which other waiters moved in and out. My task and target lay beyond. Megan's voice echoed in my head. Don't be a slons, knees, she told me earlier. (laughs) Why did everything she have to why did everything she say have to stick with me whether good or bad? <sighs> I straightened my posture in my pristine white uniform I looked the part but I felt exposed. I missed my rifle. The tiny handgun strapped to my left side beneath my uniform just felt inadequate. <laughs> Ready or not, it was time to get to work. Into the vulture's nest, I said to myself. Static crackled in my earpiece. Viper's nest, Tia said. What? I asked. Into the viper's nest, David, she said. That's the saying, not vulture's nest, and you shouldn't be talking to yourself. (laughs) Right, I replied before realizing that I shouldn't have replied. Don't be a slon's knees. (laughs) I took a deep breath, pushed my back against one of the kitchen, kitchen doors, and stepped out into the Steel Coast Ballroom of the historic Drake Hotel. Before this week, I had never set foot in a room like this either. It was very long, running nearly the full length of the massive hotel. A series of large windows with black velvet curtains ran along the exterior wall, looking out upon the solid steel waves of the Lake Michigan. Two rows of polished steel pillars lined either side of the room from end to end, and a ridiculous number of chandeliers hung from the ceiling. Throughout the room, rows upon rows of round tables were set, and hundreds of my enemies sat around them. This was the Enforcer's Ball. A banquet to honor the men who carried out the oppressive laws of Steelheart. The room was filled with the highest-ranking men in the force. All wore dark gray dressed uniforms adorned with medals and pins representing their accomplishments and rank. I did my best to ignore their laughter and mirth. 
these men had had a choice at one time in their lives, and they had chosen Steelheart and the Epics over their own people. But none of these men were my target. That particular individual sat at the high table, which was placed upon a raised platform in the center of the room to remind everyone of who here was really important. He wore a glossy black suit on his slender frame and looked out at the crowd with a scowl of resentment. What a smug slons, I thought as I approached. <laughs> he was called the Mouth of Steelheart. <laughs> he was the Emperor's culinary curator as he planned and oversaw the preparation of Steelheart's meals. However, he had an even more important role which attracted Prof's attention. He was Steelheart's taster. Before his emperor's every meal, the mouth was responsible for detecting poisons in the food and drink. He had the ability to sense poisons through smell and taste, and he was also immune to them. This immunity gave him a prime invincibility, making him a prime target for the Reckoners. <laughs> the mouth was seated at the center of the high table next to the chief enforcer. They were joined on the chief's side by his wife, and on the mouth's side by a powerful, a powerful epic named Foresight with whom I was told to avoid contact at all, eye contact at all costs. If he locks eyes with you, Prof said, all will be forfeit. I had been dreading his presence all week. I maneuvered my way through the bustling crowd toward the high table. No one in the room paid me any mind. Even with the sweet server skills I had acquired over the last week, I had about three <laughs> near collisions. Clearly these people didn't care if their uniforms were dyed carrot orange. At last I reached the high table, thankfully without a drop spilled. I climbed each step up to the platform with a great amount of concentration, careful not to jostle the tray. I could feel myself perspiring. Stop it, I thought to myself. You're used to firefights, man. This is simple. Just get it done. I crossed to the right shoulder of the chief's wife, as I'd been taught, and placed the first bowl down with incredible care. Sparks, she cursed. About time... Tell those cooks back there to pick it up. Yes, ma'am, I replied. One down. The chief was next. He was telling the mouth a story, so I hung back. His reddened face and animated gestures betrayed the state of his sobriety. Get this. He called himself the Spleen, the chief stated with a laugh. And you'll never believe why. Turns out, his bowels produced a noxious agent. When the guy... Uh, the chief belched before continuing. <laughs> when he passed gas, he could knock out the whole room. <laughs> With this, the chief went into a laughing fit. The mouth did not look amused. Pardon me, sir, I said to the chief. I have your first course. The ruddy man turned to me as he wiped tears from his eyes with a cloth napkin. Yes, yes, he said. Sit it, sit it down. I placed the soup before him and crossed to the mouth's right side. This was it. I looked down to my tray and picked up the third bowl. Suddenly, hesitation bubbled in the back of my mind. Did you get the order of the bowls right? Are you sure this is the right one? What if, what if Prof was wrong? What if, what if this doesn't work? I must have been frozen for too long because Tia popped into my ear. David, what are you doing? Then, I heard his voice. Who is this? The mouth asked. He was looking right at me. I don't recognize this boy. Oh no, I thought. 
Relax, Sir Mouth, the chief said. All our servers went through a detailed screening process to ensure your safety. We even, we even screened the eating utensils and serving trays as you requested. This didn't seem to reassure the Mouth. When were you hired, boy? <laughs> uh, last, last week, sir. I'm a temporary hire for the banquet. The Mouth's eyes narrowed at this. Why is an absent-minded temporary hire serving me? He inquired. Surely Dimitri has a more experienced server on his staff. I, uh, I hesitated. I knew I had rehearsed a response to something like this, but my mind was blank. I couldn't remember the last time I had taken a breath. What's going on? Another voice asked. I turned. It was Foresight. I immediately turned back to the mouth. I'd rather meet his harsh glare than be found out by Foresight. Sir, the chief addressed the mouth. I assure you this boar is harmless. Let him do his job. Lord Steelheart will be calling in at any moment. <laughs> I'd like an answer to my question, the mouth urged. Why are you serving this table, boy? For a guy called the mouth, his eyes were much more striking. His glare could melt butter or something more impressive who cares about metaphors right now i thought answer his question <laughs> calamity the mouth cursed answer me now or i'm an epic sir i blurted the the, the only one on the staff D dimitri thought you'd be more comfortable with me i didn't know where the answer came from it wasn't my rehearsed response that's for sure but the mouth's anger seemed to deflate at this an epic waiter the mouth asked. <laughs> What's your ability? Uh, balance, sir, I replied. I have really good balance, but specifically with my hands. The mouth smirked in amusement. With your hands, hmm? He mused. What do they call you? Uh, I hesitated. They call me hands. They call me Hands. Hands? The mouth asked with a chuckle. That's it? I couldn't believe I was just asked that by a guy named the mouth. Yes, sir, I replied. The mouth tittered some more at this. Well, he began. I can see why you were hesitant to reveal this. Leave the soup and get out of your hands, and don't ever speak to me again. Yes, sir, I said with great relief. I placed the bowl before him, quickly moved to Foresight, placed the last bowl before him, and hurried down the steps off the platform. I moved so quickly that I completely forgot how much I dreaded serving Foresight all week. Then static cracked in my ear. Sparks! Tia, Tia cursed. That was close. Good work, though. Thanks, I replied before remembering I wasn't supposed to reply. <laughs> When I reached the back of the room near the swinging kitchen doors, I looked back to the high table just as the mouth slipped a spoonful of soup into his namesake, and I smiled. <laughs> a moment later, a screen began to lower from the ceiling behind the, ta behind the high table. All right, here we go, Tia said. When the screen was fully lowered, it began flickering and crackling with static. Chatter in the room died down, and the chief stood from his seat. Everyone, please rise. Our Lord Emperor Steelheart will now join us live to share a brief address of appreciation for another successful year. Everyone in the room rose and stood at attention. My eyes darted back and forth between the screen and the mouth in anticipation. 
the static crackled on the screen for a few more moments before, finally, a face appeared. However, it was not the face they all expected. (laughs) Good evening, Prof said. The room instantly erupted in anger. On this night, he continued over the din, a night on which you celebrate another year of service to a hostile and unloving lord, I want to deliver a reminder. Up at the high table, the chief waved at a nearby guard, gesturing to cut the feed. You believe that by serving him and his kind, who claim to be invincible and all-powerful, that you too will be safe. I am here to remind you that this is not true. For no matter how powerful they are, or how safe you feel, one day you will all have to reckon with the consequences of your choices. As if on cue, a shatter erupted from the head table. The mouth had knocked over his wine glass and was now grasping at his throat. He coughed and sputtered. He tried to reach for the glass of water before him, but he convulsed and knocked it over. His mouth began foaming. He reached out to those around him for help, but they recoiled. The rest of the room watched on in horror. While his coughing turned more into gagging, the mouth began picking up his utensils off the table, inspecting them briefly and then throwing them away. I knew what he was doing, but the room swelled with whispers of confusion. When he was through with the utensils, he turned to his soup. He paused, sputtered, and plunged a hand into it. When he pulled his hand out, he held up the agent of his demise. His eyes seemed to bulge from his head as he looked at it. It was a silver dollar. Silver. (laughs) A fitting weakness for such a man. The coin had allowed poison in the soup to work its way through his system. The the mouth's coughing stopped as he gazed at the coin. For a moment, the room was completely silent. Then, after a quick convulsion, a stream of blood erupted from the mouth, (laughs) showering the enforcers at the tables below him. Although across the room I shielded myself reflexively, the room broke out in a panic. Diners jumped away from their tables as if trying to get as far away as they could from their soup bowls. Up on the large screen, Prof's head disappeared and was replaced by Steelheart. He looked angry and confused. Calamity, have you figured it out yet? He asked someone off screen. Oh, oh wait, I'm, I'm starting to see them, but... Sparks, what's going on there? My lord! The mouth gasped in agony. Then he purged one last stream of blood onto the screen bearing the face of his lord and fell to the ground. Target down, I said. Roger that, Tia replied. Now get out of there. Up on the screen, now dripping with the mouth's blood, Steelheart watched the chaotic scene gravely. After a few stoic moments, he said, Turn it off. And the screen went dark. The end. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) Wow. so good. So many things, so many thoughts, so many notes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, Marcus, I wrote very few notes because, Andrew, I think you nailed it. That This is honestly pretty much exactly what I remember about Steelheart. You got the tone. You got the characters. You got the type of jobs they pull. You got the whole thing. Cool. Uh, just like taking, t- t- trying to take out an epic through like some clever scheme. It's just it's all laid out there. The tension was right between characters. The the first person voice was right. I, I'm just thrilled. 
So I, I have to uh, disagree with some of these points. Uh-oh. Ooh. So I think there there are a couple things specifically that were so far afield of how the book operated that it threw me off. So oh. Prof's little V for Vendetta pop-up where he's telling the people what's going on. <laughs> was that was that an inspiration there, Andrew? No, I actually didn't think of that. that okay. But I can see it. I can totally see it. I'd uh, see it as more of an Inglorious Bastards reference. That's yeah. more what oh, I was that, thinking. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, which was enjoyable within the confines of the story. It's just the Reckoners are very secretive. So them making a public appearance like that would be the last thing that they would want to do. Um, oh, interesting. I thought that in your notes that Prof was well known and that he wanted to be known as the guy who killed Reckoners. Was I mistaken in that? Uh, he's only well known amongst people in the know. So David, okay. being a uh, epic nerd, uh, would know this because he's obsessed with killing epics. So every time an epic gets killed, he finds out information and he knows props behind it. But it's not like public knowledge. Right. Though okay. I feel like this sort of behavior does match a little bit more with uh, maybe uh, Firefight or you know uh, a later sort of Reckoner story when it, when when it kind of gets more out in the open. Sure, without going into spoilers for those books, um, right? Yeah, I, I can see that a little bit more, or or even when they get to Limelight in the first book. Um, yeah, but yeah, so it was. I think the setup, like Eric said, was spot on. We okay. get the communication with Tia, that chastising of David when he was speaking out loud. Hilarious. The correction of the vulture's nest, also very good. The the plan, the meticulous nature of the plan, him knowing everything that's in each of these meals, very much consistent. Mm-hmm. It was just when it came to the final execution that a few of the things started stacking up that threw me out a little bit so steelheart was not composed or regal in this setting Mm -hmm. which he basically behaves like a god emperor uh okay getting interrupted would annoy him but it would be met with threats not with concern and right (laughs) the uh the technology there there was static and crackling there's no way you would know this but their technology is pretty much flawless possibly epic derived we're not sure Oh, okay. Because they're able to get these mobiles to communicate underneath the steel catacombs in the in the basements. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that threw me a little bit, and lots of positive things, I'm just countering yeah, no, no, what please. Eric said, uh, was that so many of the epic names were just just uh, body parts. <laughs> and and I do have to ask, uh, did Paul Rubens get any credit for his cameo <laughs> appearance here? <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. The spleen was a reference the to the the lovely, lovely film, Mystery Men. <laughs> oh man! Yes. But the spleen. I see. I love that you added that because it fits in so well with the tone of these books. Because this is a young adult novel, and there are many, many cases of uh, somewhat juvenile humor. So having a fart joke in there is <laughs> is perfect. <laughs> 
It's it's cool. abs- absolutely fits in with it. It's one of the things I love. I mean, the fact that we got so many epic names in this, mm-hmm. uh, not not counting the fake one, Hands, but that we have the Mouth of Steelheart, which I love because it just makes me think of the Mouth of Sauron. Yep, yep. Uh, the uh, Foresight, who I don't know what his power is. You left me hanging. Yeah. I wanted to know what it was going to be. I sure. figured we'd get a, a, a the answer by the end. Like, I figured he was going to be the one person to throw the whole plan off that he he makes eye contact with david and something happens but we sure. didn't get to see that so that's hurting you a little bit um but just the fact that we got so many epics in a in a short span of time makes me very happy and i think you did a fantastic job with it yeah i think foresight yeah. was the most epic sounding name like the the one that i could yeah. see fitting in with the Steelheart universe, yep. Mm-hmm. The the taster uh, again. I guess that kind of thing threw me off. I, I loved the concept of it from a storytelling perspective because you're really running with the emperor and the regality of the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but with Steelheart having a prime of its ability, probably not a concern for tasting foods. Yeah, and speaking okay. of prime invincibility. Um, you uh, you say that uh, the mouth's ability mm. to be immune to poisons, you call that a prime invincibility in this. Girl, that ain't no prime invincibility. <laughs> mm. That's See, just... I guess the way I saw it is that he was immune to like any sort of you know poison or anything that could harm his body through food, so that yeah, like prolonged his life. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I. I guess that was kind of what I was thinking, but I know what you sure. mean. It's not like if he got shot, he could like heal right. himself. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, and that uh, brings me, I, I mean, I like that you chose uh, this ability to withstand poisons and be able to detect poisons. Like, I think that's a really cool power. Um, it's not like a big power. It's more of like a minor epic sort of power, but it's something that Steelheart would value. Mm-hmm. And I also like that you chose that power and then you formed this story about uh, a banquet, a, an occasion to eat food, and it, and it puts our characters in a position to serve food, and so the whole thing, and his whole downfall is about eating. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. there's something kind of poetic about that that I really appreciated. And I'll say that was very Sanderson-y, uh, more so than maybe some of the other stuff in these books that Sanderson actually wrote himself, to have a royal <laughs> ball. Yeah, uh, something that he yeah. loved from the Mistborn series, which I know is your primary exposure. But the the royalty and uh, the organized, polite society is something that he likes to explore in his works. Yeah, yeah. I'll just I'll just quickly interject that that was an inspiration. Mm-hmm. I, I love Mistborn, and the idea of doing like a ball site type thing kind of inspired me. Absolutely. So, Andrew. Um, tell us about the process. Like, how did you come up with this particular story? How did this work for you? Was this fun? Was this not fun? Tell us all about um, it. It was fun. Uh, I, I enjoyed the process of writing this. It took a long time. Um, I had to draft it a couple of times in order to get it right because as much as I thought it was going to be really simple going in because my goal was to create, I wanted to write one tense moment because oh, yeah. this thing... Um, you were talking about guns and firefights, and normally I'd be all about that, but for some <laughs> reason, that just wasn't clicking for me over the last, you know, couple of minutes, I'll say, uh, <laughs> while I was writing this. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just wasn't in the mood for it. I wanted to write, I had just done Miss Marvel, so I wanted to write something that was a little smaller in scale and intimate. Um, 
So the idea of just having him pull off this job that, again, was kind of small in scale um, was what was appealing to me. Um, and it's interesting, you brought up Foresight and the wanting to see like his, his power. Um, I built that in as a bit of a red herring, in a way, because I wanted to have this guy that could you know possibly see into people's minds and mm-hmm. have that be this threat looming up there. But then in the end, it doesn't amount to anything, and the mouth was the guy that gave him trouble. Um, mm-hmm. I was trying to do that as kind of like a switcheroo. Um, that was my intention with that. Um, though I suppose with Foresight's powers not being laid out, that might not have been as effective. Um but yeah, this idea of this one tense moment was something that I really uh, was digging on. And uh, I don't know where the idea of a taster came in, but I think perhaps it was just like you mentioned, the regality, the like mm-hmm. emperor thing, um, which is something that I that attracted me and just kind of came. I don't know where it came from, but yeah. Yeah, that moment, that tense moment, I love. That's like, I, I didn't write very many notes during this, but that was one of the things that I underlined was that there's such good tension and it, it reminded me of a Sanderson book, just how he, he structures that tension around these moments that are extended and contracted and you're in the character's head and there are these, it, it's just, it worked for me, man. Cool. Good. I, I, I dug it. Yeah. Well, I think we should go into final critiques then. Do you want sure. to start us off, Eric? Yeah, absolutely. So, um... Uh, well, another one of my notes, just just leading towards my score here, uh, the line "Don't be a slant's knees" is, I think, like lifted straight from the book. Like <laughs> I swear that that line, that combination of words, is is in the books at least a dozen times. And you even kind of used a voice like the uh, the audiobook version of this. It just. It made me feel right at home right in the beginning. So interesting. Okay. Good job. Cool. Um, so despite uh, the Steelheart being kind of out of sorts and not and, and caught off guard in a way he never would be, and despite the mouth not having a prime invincibility, <laughs> I think you you did some fantastic things. Uh, bonus points. Uh, I think Foresight is a badass epic name and that was my uh bonus point for the best badass epic name i think that's just damn cool cool good (laughs) he's set up as this unknowable sort of badass and we don't know anything about him but he's got a great name which is all that matters so you got my bonus points you were so close (laughs) to getting my secret bonus points oh god what were they oh my gosh I, I went off a little bit about this because I was you set up the beginning of this this piece. You talk about the enforcers, the ones who chose to support the epics instead of their fellow humans. They gave up their humanity. And you had this whole setup that was so angry that seemed like it was perfectly set up to start having David murder some human beings. And that was my that was my secret bonus point that David was gonna kill a human. And I thought I had it. I thought I had it in the bag. I was counting my coins. I will <laughs> say that's that's interesting. Um, I did consider for a while that all of the soup was going to be poisoned. And yep. so that it was just going to be um, a standby me level vomit fest. <laughs> um, but uh, I went against it to make it more of like uh, this symbol. Um, yeah. I felt that felt a little bit more showman like. Uh, so, yeah. Right. No, it felt like you... 
started driving that direction just to throw us all off and then you took this turn which which works i can't fault you for that but if you would have gotten it i think i would have given you 10 out of 10 so my score for you today is 9 out of 10 bullets straight up bullets straight up because it's david charleston (laughs) i would say what kind of bullets Oh, what's the I caliber? Uh, what do I know? <laughs> just uh, your nine cal, standard, standard kind of you know just bullety things. Guns. Yeah, yeah. It's I appreciate them. It's the bullet. How about you, Marcus? Okay, so I, I, I'm uh, a little bit more critical, which is actually good, I think, because we have different opinions on the same material. Yeah, that's never that's good. good. Uh, that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> so I felt like this the scene uh, started very promisingly. But it it kind of sputtered out for me as it went on. Okay. I I liked Foresight. Um, I, I agree that I would have wanted to see more with him, but showing less here painted a good characterization of him. I had an idea of what his powers would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that we we're in super nerd David Charleston's head made me feel like I would have liked to see more comments about all the epic powers in the room and just the mm-hmm. nerdy things that he knows about the situation. But I think overall what through me is that although you did have one really good bit of improvisation which is key all the reckoners plans have to go wrong and david has to improvise so i really <laughs> liked that uh i didn't think things got bad enough for him the, the situation okay. didn't deteriorate enough essentially his plan just worked you know the plan is i'm going to go deliver this poison and then i'm going to get out of there and he didn't have more than a minute or two of trouble with that mm-hmm. um, okay and it didn't take more than just lying right so that was something that I think I would have liked to see that jeopardy increased. Okay, yeah, that's good. Um, likewise, I think the, the the enforcers being scum that they they gave up their humanity is kind of counter to some of the themes in the book. And we talked about how in the previous setup segment how there are accountants and such in Steelheart's Empire, and that the reckoners accept that these are just people doing their job. So oh, that was okay. That was a bit of a contradiction to me. Um, the opening. Again, the, the opening few paragraphs, you just nailed so many things. Like Eric said, the Megan the slots line was great. Uh, the way her words stick with him, no matter what they were, good or bad, mm-hmm. very much in character. Feeling terrible having the rifle, or not having his rifle, having a handgun instead. Um, and you get my, my bonus points for best metaphor, which again, is something that I think is very close to being in the book. I can't remember the exact quote, but you said that the glare can melt butter. And there's a similar metaphor in one of these books in the series. That's either a stare could cut through paper or a glare could melt butter. And then he revises it and realizes that it doesn't have to be like a glare could melt through steel. Wait, glares can't normally melt through anything. So if it could melt through butter, that would be enough, right? (laughs) So that was shockingly spookily similar. Weird. but yeah, I, I think that the lack of this this final confrontation really lost you some points here. Okay. Um, and the inconsistencies, you know, those, those are things that we can take with the nature of the format. So I'm going to give you a seven out of ten of the hands fingers. <laughs> That's going to be your final rating. <laughs> Dealer's choice as to uh, which fingers you get. Oh no! I hope I got my thumbs. Uh, 
But yeah, oh, say your bonus points. I, I got to reveal that. Oh yes, please, um, please. I was expecting a more mature view of the relationship between David and Megan than we see in the original text, uh, which <laughs> didn't unfortunately get covered. <laughs> if you'd done a scene with Megan and David, I would have liked to see that interaction more. Uh, Just like it, you wanted it to get hot and heavy. Well, uh, so either hot and heavy or reserved but consistent. In the okay. source material, it's a lot of wow, her neckline. Oh, Sparks, she's tall and blonde. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is okay. fine for a young adult audience, but I was expecting the Andrew Neil worldly take. <laughs> worldly. So, so when, uh, when Eric and I were laughing at the beginning when he said that this is going to have a mature content for yeah, Oh, sure, we're like, sure. His was extreme violence. Mine was a bit more of the sexy time. We're like, uh-huh. oh, one of us is going to win. We got this thing. <laughs> Oh, uh, I just I just don't think uh, parents want their children to hear about people coughing and vomiting up blood. You know, it wasn't so. bad. You don't even get a language uh, thing with this. I mean, this I is going to be a clean podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and actually, there's a lot of surprising amounts of gore in this series. I was oh, surprised, okay. probably even more than other Sanderson books that I've read. That I've read yeah, this is oh. MPAA <laughs> rules. No sex. Yeah. But as much bloody violence as you can get. Yeah, oh, sure. PG thirteen series. Mm-hmm. 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 All right, but, gentlemen, where can we where can we find this series? Well, uh, I'm glad you asked, Andrew. <laughs> this is <laughs> Steelheart, the first book in the Reckoners trilogy, written by Brandon Sanderson. Get it on your favorite uh, digital reading device through iBooks, Nook. Amazon Kindle, or you know, get some pulped up paper, some some trees, and uh, read it that way at a local bookstore. Yeah. The last book in the series is out in February, so it should be out by the time that you are listening to this. Calamity, uh, very good series through and through. And Sanderson, one of my favorite authors, all around seems like a good guy and a hardworking writer. Publishes a couple books every year, so we're big fans of him and his podcast. I'll also plug Writing Woo. Excuses. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking right. forward to reading this. Uh, it sounds a lot, and I shouldn't say a ton like Mistborn, but I love Mistborn so much, and this idea of this, you know, ragtag group of guys doing a doing a heist and and trying to take down the big shot at the top. Yeah, you'll love it. You'll love it. Uh, yeah, it's good it's stuff. Every, everything that is good. Cool. Uh, and you did a, a fantastic job with it, Andrew. Thank you. Thank Just, you. No I matter really what Marcus it. says, that slants. <laughs> wow. uh, I take it well, back. We're gonna go fight it out, listeners. Thanks for uh, hearing us today, and good work again, Andrew. Catch you next time on Champ Fiction. Bye bye. Sham Fiction is produced by Two Jackets Productions, which is Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Special thanks to Reed Reimer for providing the music. For a full list of episodes and to read this week's fiction, visit shamfiction.com. Follow us on Twitter at ShamFiction, and please, don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. ShamFiction. Write what you don't know. Next week, on a very chilly episode of ShamFiction, Marcus is going to toss back a glass or five of JMB, play with some puppies in the snow, maybe throw some flames, or... Oh, oh my god! What is that?! Ugh, looks like a giant hairless cat got in a fight with an angry pile of spaghetti in a tub of Vaseline. Gross. Anyway, uh, next week, 
Sham fiction. Ooh.